The second lesson is in Colossians chapter 2. This is going to serve as the basis for the sermon today. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A little pocket, pocket Bible. And this one actually is mine. Some of you know that I have other pocket things related to faith life. I have a collection of old hymnals. And they used to print these little, you know, cute-sized hymnals you could stick in your pocket or in your purse and take with you to church. And everybody bring their hymnal. You can, you can have your name printed on it and stuff like that. I have one with this artistic little metal clasp, you know, and just... It's such like a precious thing, like you're opening up your little box of treasures, you know, as you open it up, and inside there are readings for, for the Gospels for each Sunday, and the Epistle readings, and hymns through the church year, no melodies, just the text, and then you have the um, Augsburg Confession, and you've got the creeds, and you've got the small catechism, and the history of the fall of Jerusalem, things like that, that they would print in these little pocketbook hymnals. This is mine. There's a name tag on there from, it's probably full of like archaic germs or something like that. This is a sticker that has my name on it. I don't know what event or what it was, but I know that this at least go back, goes back to high school. Somewhere along the line, I picked up a little New Testament and Psalms combination book, and it's got the, you know, the finger of all those finger marks of turning the pages, you know, and reading. This is the Bible that I would bring if I was on a flight. And um, I always thought, how far, how much can I read while I'm on the flight um, and use a trip as an occasion for a big break in my life to read through scripture and 
So both flights is quiet time, maybe, unless you're elbowing your neighbor and saying, do you know Jesus? Um, or, you know, and then, you know, hotel time or whatever you're doing is just kind of downtime. So you have a good pocket bile to bring along on a trip. And I say that because you look at this and you're like, I know what this meant as I turned its pages and pondered God's word to me at a point in my life. I know what it meant as I would sit there and reflect and stare out an airplane window or under a, a lamp at a desk in a hotel room or something. I know what it meant to read these verses and read the story of my Savior. And that was then. And this is now. And that's important. Paul says it's important. Your epiphany isn't new. I'm talking to believers at a church that's celebrating 26 years in history, right? Not that you've been here for all of those, but you know what I mean. And Paul's doing that too. He's writing in Colossians to a group of people who aren't being pointed for the first time by John the Baptist to look the Lamb of God. Oh, really? Who's that? I'm going to go tell my brother, <laughs> you know, like Andrew does. It's not the first time that the Lamb of God has crossed your lips. Wasn't my first time opening this Bible today either, was it? But what does Paul say for your new year? What does Paul say for the great perspective, the great view from the airplane that you should have in your life? What does Paul say? He's making a rich case for Christ in Colossians. And in this part of chapter 2, did you see how he starts? He looks you in the eye and he says, just as in the past, you received Jesus Christ as what? What was he to you then? What was he when you learned about Jesus and you put your trust in him by the work of the Spirit and you began a new life as a Christian? What was he to you? You received just as you received Christ Jesus as? It's the summary of your perspective. Lord, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, that means that when you think about the totem pole of life or the king of the hill, that nothing else, nothing else would have any close spot in your heart, in your life, as your focus, as your priority, as Christ. He's Lord. That's what you took him as when you received him. That's how it was proclaimed to you. That's how it was preached to you, that he's this kind of wholesale Lord. He says the words, continue. You might have a Bible like this one. I hope you do, or even a catechism. He says the word, continue. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Does that sound boring for 2023? Continue. Don't you want to do new stuff? New goals, new aspirations, new challenges, new tweaks, new modifications, new, new? Not today, Paul says. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, when you have such a Christianity where you call on someone as a Lord, there's never a need for new. 
when you've already found the king. Does that make sense? So the word changes to not discover something new to do with your life, but continue to live your lives in him. Because now he's going to tell you, what is continuing to live your lives in him? What do I mean by that? Are you ready for it? There's a big do and there's a don't do. All right? And then he's going to put the pillars underneath it and tell you why. There's a big do and a big don't do for your new year. All right? So do you have the page? Verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6. Just as you received Christ Jesus as what? As what of your life? As Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Walk in him. Walk in him. Your theme for your life. Walk in him. But he adds descriptors. Rooted and built up. So you would sink your past in him, rooted, and you would also continue to be built up and made strong. You are a tree where where it's time for you to grab nutrients, you root in him as your nutrients, and when it's time for you to be strong and bear up against wind and storm and bear fruit in your life, that you would be built up in him. Everything comes from Christ. Everything is Lamb of God, and we're gonna tell you why, right? Continue rooted, right? Drawing your nutrients from him and being strong only in him, just like you were taught. Continue in him, right? And overflowing with thankfulness. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let your language overflow with thankfulness. How do you do that? That means when you talk about work and you talk about school and you talk about your life and you talk about breakfast and you talk about a safe trip on vacation, that you overflow with thanksgiving to God. Sometimes I think our language and our thinking has such a poverty to it because it doesn't connect to him as if life is lived separate from this? No, continue to live your lives in him. Your entire life is wrapped up in him, overflowing with thankfulness by the blessings that he gives. So bring up challenges in your life and say what Christ is doing. Can you do this at the dinner table together? as you're reflecting on budget struggles or as you're reflecting on the stresses of your life, can you talk about Christ and overflow with thanksgiving and be strong in him and be rooted in him? You Christ, you christen. You Christ your language. You dedicate it in his name. You apply what he's done to you. It's all, all year. It's all things, all the time of life. Saturate it with this name Christ, 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 Christ. That's what Paul is hit in him, in him, in him. He's hammering it home, and now he's going to tell you why. See to it that no one takes you, the big don't do. Are you ready for the don't do part? See to it that no one takes you captive. You know what this world will do to you if you don't christen your world if you don't Christ your language, when we let go of the word of God, it steals you from him. And you get into this, are you with me? You get into this cause and effect mode because that's common sense. 
And if only we would have done that, then we would have had different results. And if I do more of this this year, then I'll have more of that. And you live in this thing that's not the blessing of God. That's not the will of God. That's not how Christ would lead and guide me by my hand. It changes its language, right? It takes you captive to what? See to it that no one takes you captive, that no one steals you away. Do you recognize that those are thoughts in this world that steal you? And he calls them hollow and deceptive philosophy and the elemental spiritual forces of this world. Isn't that interesting? Hollow and deceptive. You know the Easter bunnies that they sell that are made out of chocolate? And I'm always convinced that when I take a bite, there's gonna be this like solid chocolate, like I've got a lot of chocolate. And then a and it just like breaks off and it's this outer shell and it's hollow inside. So deceptive. You look so big, like there's so much chocolate there for a sweet tooth like me. That's very disappointing. But it's all the worse when people speak to souls with a big to-do and you find out that they're hollow. And that's what he wants you to know. The philosophies of the world and the elemental spiritual forces, the ABCs of the way the world thinks, will never bring you substance. They'll always prove hollow. They're just a big mirage out in the desert with no water to drink. And that's how he describes it. So if you think about the ways of the world, the philosophies, think about even um, some ways that Christians speak, it is so hollowed out and empty in the hope that people have. The ABCs of this world are, sure, there's maybe some deity, we give him a name, and then we work our tails off to please him, and we pay our butts off to please him, and we scratch and we claw and we make the sacrifices so that somehow we might be blessed and maybe I don't love enough and maybe I'm not kind enough and the gods must be mad at me, the God, the, the Buddha, the whatever. There's an ABC elemental thing and you know what the elemental part of it always, the secret special sauce in the ingredient of philosophy and man-made religion? You know what it is? You. You, it's up to you. You're the ingredient. It, the, it's kind of like you have to put on the boxing gloves and you've got to tackle your enemies yourself. And guess what those enemies are like for you? A big old boxing bag. Does the bag ever lose? And you put on these gloves and you're the special sauce and I'm the secret ingredient and in this pressure, it asks me to be this and me to do that and me to get more intellectual and me to understand it better and me to apply it more seriously and me with my commitment and me with this and me with that and you're sweating and you're working and you're sweating and you're working and you know what the problem is? Spiritually speaking, God says you are dead. You wanna hand boxing gloves to a dead person? and see what happens? Would you ever bring a, an emergency medical kit to a casket? Oh, let's try this. Well, they died. There's still something you can do when you're dead. 
Let's give him a Band-Aid with some Neosporin. Is that a thing? That's man-made religion. So the Apostle Paul takes you to something that's not hollow. And he uses the word fullness. Now this is why I had you open your Bibles. If you close them, I apologize. But I really want you to walk through this briefly with me. Verse 9. Don't let people take you from Christ. Why? For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That means that in our flesh and blood Jesus, the Christmas that we celebrate, there's nothing of the deity that is missing or lacking. So Jesus is fully ready to do what, any, what God is fully ready to do. And if that saved the world from sin, it saved the world from sin. He couples that in the person of Jesus to say, in Christ, look at what he's done with his work. You have been brought to fullness. Does that sound hollow? Is it missing anything? Absolutely not. When you call on Jesus as a Lord of your life, you're not missing anything. Now think of going to a Walmart. You go into such a huge superstore. That's kind of like what the world offers, spiritually speaking. It looks so big and so large. And to think that you could walk in there and be shopping for a specific item and actually hear the words, we don't sell that here. Isn't that crazy? Wouldn't that be terrible? But this is Walmart. I mean, I could get lost in this place. How do you not sell everything in this store? That's the false promise of the world. But in Christ, everything is everything. In Christ, fullness is fullness. Everything you need for your soul is there in Christ. You've been brought to fullness. And then he describes it. He says, Christ is the head over every power and authority. We're back to the Lord language, aren't we? You're seeing a theme? Are you with me? He's the head over every power and authority. In him you were circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So we have to go over here, he says, to the baptismal font and remember what Christ means for people is that your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off. That's an underlined phrase you should have right there. I know this isn't your personal Bible. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when Christ did this for you, having been buried with him in baptism. Let's explain that, right? Your whole self. Circumcision was an Old Testament covenant that God had instituted to say, you're my people, like I claim you, right? And there was a physical act done with circumcision as a sign and a marker of that consecration and promise of God setting you apart as his people, right? And Jesus is saying, don't, don't put your trust in something that's just outward. Your trust is in Christ, do you know what Christ has done for you? Your whole self was put off. Many people talk about their sin as a little, a slap on my wrist, why? Because my wrist was naughty. Slap on the wrist, 
something I got wrong in my head. But you know what? When I die, then I just, I go to be with God anyway, and I can fly around as a guardian angel. And, all, and this is what we say at caskets and tombs, and it's all too easy. It's all off. When you say, I'm dead in sin, do you realize how absurd and how different a light that is? When John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, do you recognize how dire a situation he's expressing it? It's not this. It's not just slaps on the wrist, but we can figure it out, and then I can fly as a guardian angel over my loved ones when I'm gone. That's nothing having to do with Scripture, is it? Your whole self is sin. Your whole self is dead. Not, let's just cut off the bad parts and get the rest of me into heaven. You are a sinner. What you do is just the symptom. You are the problem. I am by nature dead in sin, we confess today. And then we heard that God made us alive in Christ. That's from Colossians 2, right here. You dead in sin. Your whole self, give me a religion of this world that treats this. It's not just putting band-aids on your casket, but suddenly my whole casket's going under. Do you see it? Your whole self is buried with him in baptism in which you're also raised with him. See the with hymns, the with hymns continue to live your lives in him, rooted and strengthened and overflowing with thankfulness. Your whole self was put off. That's what baptism did. No wonder we celebrate it as the blessing that it is in our lives. My whole self is put off as I'm buried with Christ who so took the fullness of God and brought me to fullness. He buried my whole self. That's not a partial spirituality. That's not an 80%, but you do 20. He buried you with him in his death that you might also live in him in life. You're joined to the fullness of his victory over sin and death. So you can say audacious things, that sin has no more a claim on you than it does on Jesus, that death has no more a claim on you than it does on Jesus. If we say living Savior, then we say living you. That's where Paul is going. It's the kind of faith and the hope that we have buried with him in baptism, and you are also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness that stood against us. People have contracts. This is an invoice, but it's kind of like a contract. It just doesn't have the legal weight. A contract you sign where some party agrees to do this and another party agrees to do that. And if you fail, you pay, right? To, to make reparations for it, to bring it justice. In a contract, the two parties agree and if you fail, you pay. And there's like a list of debts. Uh, we have this paper cal calculator that our counters do and they have in the office one of those old school scrolling paper things and the other day i was sitting down at the computer over there and the roll was like this long you know of numbers 
don't know if that means we're just being very generous these days with our offerings. There's a lot to count. But here it was. It's a piece of paper like this. Paul identifies that piece of paper. Why? Because you can't even count the list of sins in your life. If God kept track, the list would never end. God knows this list. But what does he say? That in Christ, the whole thing, top to bottom, with your name on it, he nailed to the cross. He took it away. He took it away, he says. Your whole thing, you, taken away, nailed to the cross, that you would be forgiven and have your record canceled. It, it stood against you, it condemned you, and he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And then he talks about the devil and all these enemies of hell. Having disarmed them in their accusation, he has made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. In these words of Paul, you and I are given the language to see the defeat of every last thing that would ever lay claim to you, anything that would ever crawl up that mountain and say, you must listen to my word, Jesus overcomes it. And that is the beauty of Christianity, the Christ of Christianity. Continue to live your lives in him. So, my brothers and sisters in Christ, wear out the book. Root yourself. Be strengthened in the spirit and overflow with thankfulness that you know Christ. The only thing you'd ever have to know, the only one you'd ever follow and tie your life up in him as you follow him in this world. Continuing to live your lives in him not led anywhere else. That is a beautiful light. God grant it. Amen.